I came across your video of you either at a festival or some outdoor show playing your song. Is it Daddy's Got a Med Card? Is that what it's called? Yep. <laughs> the first few episodes of the show have really been about trying to talk about using cannabis intentionally and things like that. And I'm still, I'm all about that. That's what this show will always be at, be about at its core. But a few weeks ago, I was just like, I'm kind of bored with that. <laughs> I don't want that to be the entire reason I have a show. And so I just started reaching out to people like you who I just noticed them or have already been into them and just being like, hey, you know, I have the show. It is cannabis focused and like, mm -hmm. but I, I think it would be interesting. And so, so far, it's been cool to talk to some other people who aren't like scientists or uh, business owners in the, in the cannabis industry. But I do want to start right away. Can you tell me about Daddy's Got a Med Card? And then we can get totally into the Lee Cleveland uh, experience, as it were. Daddy's got a med card. He's getting high tonight. Yeah, sure. So that song is one of my band's like older songs. It's off our first EP, and I kind of wrote it as a as like a joke. It was kind of like a jam session-y kind of song. It's just like a blues shuffle, and the lyrics came later. But it is a song that's based in truth and it's kind of become one of our a fan favorites like we don't it's if we if and when we do get encores that's the song that people ask for it was just kind of big loose jam but it is about it is about my old man and it, for a long time he did have a med card You know, you've had some other songs, like I think your one song, um, something about a USB where like, yep. is it like a significant other thinks that you're smoking weed, like you're vaping, but it's actually a USB. That made me yeah. start to think like, oh, maybe, maybe cannabis really isn't a part of Lee's life in any way other than his father. It's, it's, I've had like an on and off relationship with it. Growing up, it wasn't really around the house, but when I was in high school, my brothers and I started getting into it and my parents had no idea that we were into that, <laughs> any of that kind of stuff until I got caught with a possession charge my senior year of high school. Oh, that'll happen. I'm like, all right. And then that kind of opened the door for my heat got focused on me and it's a less stressful. Oh, interesting. I would think, I would think that if the oldest gets caught like that, the younger ones are like, your parents are extra like, hey, uh, we're on top of you. We weren't on top of your brother about it. And he got, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think now weed's legal in Michigan. So thankfully, yeah, a lot bigger part of everybody's lives and bigger part of the culture here. Hope, you know, hopefully soon with uh, the stuff that President Biden came out of the blue with in the last week or yeah. so, hopefully soon federally, we're going to start seeing some more uh, legalization. Hi, friends, by the way, it's me, Adam, again. I'm here uh, with my new friend. Lee Cleveland. You might know him if you're from Michigan. I know some of you, uh, some of my friends from Michigan listen to the show. So you might know Lee Cleveland from his band, Lee Cleveland and the Left Hand Band. Lee, first, how are you? And tell my listeners where they can find you. Where, the, where can they find your music? Hey, uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, you can find me on all social media um, at Lee underscore Cleveland. Cleveland is not spelled like the city. It's like a, a cleaver, C-L-E-A-V-E-L-A-N-D. So Lee, tell me, we will get all into, I know you probably really want to talk about 
your your music project, your band, and 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 all of that. But I like looking you up today to really prepare for this. I learned so much. I learned that you didn't always have a prosthetic arm, and that you only got into it because of a college thing. And I'll let you explain all that. But I also I do want to know about growing up being like a child commercial actor. That's I always wanted to. Do. My yeah, my sure. parents would always be like, "Hey, maybe you could do commercials," and then they would never take me to auditions. So I'm very curious about that. What was that? like well my parents are theater people so my my mom is a theater director and an actress and a musical theater pit conductor and a teacher and then my dad is like a backstage guy he builds the sets designs the sets runs the crews teaches woodshop and tech theater and stuff but growing up it was kind of like the family business and so my brothers and I were always like forced to be a part of it so if they were loading in a show, then my brothers and I were waking up crack of dawn to unload trucks with my dad. <laughs> and so my mom, she did a bunch of commercials and stuff for a really long time. And I think when she had me, her agent was like, hey, you know, since you got a baby, uh, we can make some extra money on the side trying to <laughs> get him and stuff. He's really cute. And so that happened to all my brothers and I. And so I always got tagged along with her on things. Elementary school, I did like uh, some like radio commercials and stuff voiceover things starting in like fourth or fifth grade I started doing like professional plays in Michigan and then some commercials been doing it on and off ever since <laughs> we don't we do video clips so they can't see you and I know I mentioned your prosthetic but for any of my listeners who can't see you you do have a prosthetic arm and that was another thing that really yeah. <laughs> attracted me to inviting you on to the show to have a conversation a good friend of mine Ryan Hack he wrote a, a children's book called different is awesome he was born without at, at his elbow without his forearm uh and 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 oh, so cool. his whole book is about being different is awesome and it's something to celebrate and differences aren't something to be made fun of he he tours schools all the time all that to say i wanted you to come on the show because i i have a connection to a friend who has the same type of difference and has written a children's book about it and i just was like what an interesting kind of connection and thought we could get to have a good conversation so tell me, tell me about your arm and tell me about the story behind the prosthetic, because I know that you didn't always have a prosthetic for most of your life and then kind of in college. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So um, I was born without my hand. And for most of my life, I kind of opted to not wear prosthetic because I learned how to do everything without a hand. So I never knew anything different. I could always do better without a prosthetic. And when I was a kid, all the prosthetics were just basically hooks that were painted to look like real hands. And I they don't really vibe with them. Does anybody really vibe with those though? Either the wearer or the people who no. are in like in company with like, there's something not comforting. It's not the right word, but there's something. It kind of exists in the uncanny yeah, valley. Yeah, that's almost. perfect because even, even yeah. your prosthetic, which is very like, yep. it, it is, Cyborg it man, is yep. very <laughs> like cybernetic kind of feeling, but it seems more natural than those other ones that try to be more natural. Yeah, I had the option to have this covered in like a skin tone sleeve, but I saw how they moved and I'm like, that is even <laughs> creepier than just if I just doubled down on the robotics of it. And so I don't know what it does for the human brain, but when it looks real and it's not right, it it's more disturbing than if it's just 100% mechanical looking. I have a theory that it's also a little bit about Star Wars. When Luke gets his hand cut off, he then goes to a black glove just so that they don't have to like show a, a mechanical hand anymore. I think there's something in the human brain that goes... 
Well, no, if, if you have if you have a machine hand, it's black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's going to be like silver yeah. and black get out. It's like it's it's announcing the presence of it is kind of cool, especially with like pop culture out of all the disabilities that there are. For whatever reason, amputees have always kind of been given a more time in the spotlight for different types of characters hmm. and they kind of have a, more of like a superhero connotation to it. Let's put a pin in that because I do have a question for you about it. But I do want to get into tell us how you got because you, you said that you didn't use a prosthetic for most of your life and then something happened. I've always had like manual labor kind of jobs, like working on set, moving things around. I grew up working on at a cider mill and a farm and helping my dad do carpentry. But since I wasn't wearing a prosthetic or a hook or anything, I would lift with my elbow and I'm. Um, not using my back correctly when I lift. And so that kind of caught up to me over time. I got back to college, MSU Go Green. I got up, I got back up to state and I was like the first week of class seven, seven years ago. And I had this job doing carpentry with my dad. I was back at the mill and the farm. I was just beating the crap out of myself working all summer. And I came back and I was skating with some buddies and I went home and I was like, this is not good. <laughs> and something just popped and I had to go to the hospital and I herniated uh, a disc in my mm, lower back. Just so from, is it just from like the way I, you had to move to compensate? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going down lower. I'm torquing my back different ways just to right. get the weight of bigger right. objects and just the wear and tear. Um, I herniated a disc and it was so bad that they, uh, I was in pain elsewhere. I didn't notice this, but I paralyzed my toes because it the it, the that lumbar right. disc also controlled my foot and they're like you didn't realize that your foot was paralyzed I'm like no I'm in so much <laughs> other pain they put me on a ton of meds and they're like yeah you just gotta do like yoga stuff now but like maybe you should start looking into getting a prosthetic now that you're kind of growing into your body if you don't wear a prosthetic more you're, you're just gonna keep growing right. like this to the arm on that side and you're gonna keep damaging it so they're like you should look into something to like even yourself that's, out. It's so funny that and, that because like, it's literally that's what it is. E balancing or even evening yourself out. It's so funny that it's as simple as that to me. Yeah, and it was something I never thought about, but it's actually one of the bigger problems for upper limb amputees is like just the wear and tear on your your back and your neck and your spine because you're just kind of your body's not aligned and weighted properly. Bionic hands were just starting to come out. I'm like, well, I don't want to go back to what I had. I don't like using those. These are new. I'm seeing people start to get them. I'm interested in this, but they were really expensive. The, uh, yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> like thousands yeah, and thousands like, or just thousands? Like uh, hundreds of thousands. No of thousands. way. They're getting cheaper now. Um, but, but for like the name brand ones, if, if you don't have, if your insurance do doesn't cover it, then you, you're going to drop like a close to like a quarter million dollars on this. They had gotten these new 3D printers in the MSU library. And I'm not an engineer. I'm not a math guy. No, but uh, no. You mean Lee Cleveland and the left hand band isn't a math rock band? No, <laughs> not at all. I'm glad I'm a musician because I only, only have to count to four half the time and I only got five on here. So. That's right. That's right. So you started messing but, uh, around with like engineers at the school. Yeah. So I started playing around with the 3D printers oh, okay. and finding some like open source blueprints. And then I kind of came to like a standstill with it where like I'm going to need to ask for help or really in invest a lot of time into uh, 
getting good at this, but I'm not going to school to be an engineer. I'm not a computer science guy. So I started talking to some people at the disability center and they put me in contact with some, an engineering professor that works at the disability center. And they'll team up with different capstone projects and the different engineering schools. And they would try to invent like different types of adaptive devices they kind of picked up where I was lacking with my skills. And so I had the professor and then a local alumni from that was an engineer at Solo Cup that was like near East Lansing, and then a bunch of uh, capstone students uh, in the engineering department. So we started building all these different types of bionic hand prototypes. And what we found is that when you 3D print a bionic hand, you can make a functioning bionic hand, all the har hardware in it and software can be made for about a hundred dollars oh really and so it's, yeah and so they're so trying just, to claim it's the materials that are costing hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah so mine is titanium and carbon fiber and then also with like insurance and medical billing you really can they mark up the price a lot right but just the materials and like the the servo motors and the and all the software for these things are open source uh people will trade blueprints and schematics and try to help each other out what a world we live in it's it's kind of like you know i grew up a pastor's kid this is a miracle <laughs> like when people talk about miracles yeah. from god like the internet and and the ability to share digital files that result in limbs where limbs weren't there that is that's a yeah. literal miracle i like so that's incredible to me it is it's, it blows my mind and every day i'm thinking this is like people can complain and stuff but from my perspective this is one of the best times to be alive in human history yeah I, I want to go back to our pin real quick. You said that amputees in media have typically had more attention and it's more of like a heroic kind of thing. Do you think that that's because, you know, if you're born with the difference, it like you don't know the difference, you, you know, you've never known. And so for an amputee, they have to overcome the fact that they knew what it was like or something like, is that why the media portrays it as like almost a, like you said, a, a heroic thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Cause like, I've been born without a hand. I've never known any different, but people always assume I lose it. And, it, and there's not really anybody in media that will be like, oh, yeah, this is how I am. It's always like, oh, they lost it in battle or they're a pirate or they got it cut off by Darth Vader and they must avenge it. And that, that whole thing, you know, but you don't really see that with people with other disabilities. Like you don't see somebody become paralyzed and then come back in a badass wheelchair and start kicking the supervillains right. <laughs> and so it's kind of weight uh, unfairly weighted i guess all right lee uh you know really the the real meat of the reason i brought you here is because i'm a musician you're a musician there's a big difference between us and it's that i hold a guitar pick when i'm playing with my hand and really you know like i said it's daddy's got a med card that that made me find your tiktok and so i I did that thing where i scrolled over to your profile and i was like oh no like this guy is playing guitar with his arm that doesn't have a hand, you you blow my mind because you're incre you're an incredible <laughs> guitarist, first of all. But like, <laughs> run me through that. What is that like? On the end of my arm, I have a little little thumb thing, and it has a nail on it that grows and falls off. And so I started playing guitar uh, when I was like fourteen, and I'd already played trumpet. Let's I'd pause right there, really bit, quick. You know, because how at fourteen do you approach just even initially going? I, as a person with one hand, want to play guitar. Like, why do you even have the inkling to do that? I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I just want to understand your thought process. My brothers, they were like 12. They were in guitar lessons. I was already, I've always been musically inclined because of my mom. I had a very good 
understanding of theory for my age. And so my Oma, she would drive us around everywhere. And so when my brothers had to go someplace, I usually had to go with them and sit. And so uh, <laughs> that sounds miserable. My brothers would have to go to the guitar lessons at this guy's house. And then I would kind of be sitting in the corner with my grandma. This was before smartphones or anything. So I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm paying attention. And my brothers don't really care very much. Like they they played in like the middle school band and stuff, but they didn't really take to it. He's explaining the guitar to them. And then I'm listening. And I'm like, I get everything he's saying to them. And like, I understand how the guitar works and like how everything's supposed to the mechanics of it and the why, but I just couldn't physically do it. And then it just pissed me off. And I'm like, I'm going to figure this out, how to make myself do it. Cause I, I, I just frustrated me because so I kind of took it as a challenge. So you you saw your you saw your brothers doing guitar lessons because grandma had to drag you along and you were like, fuck it, I'm doing this shit because they don't seem to care. But it's changing my fucking life for some reason. You learn guitar, yada, yada, yada. Take me up to Lee Cleveland and the left hand band. I've been trying all day. The last actually two days I've been like, I've been listening to your music and I go, OK, what genre is this? And it and. <laughs> the, clo the closest thing to a genre that I have been able to come up with is whatever genre Gorgol Bardello is. I, you don't know Gorgol Bardello? No. no, brother, my friend. <laughs> it's gypsy punk rock. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely get a kick out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, it's not like every song you do, but man, you've got this. It's almost if punk rock met blues met Mumford and Sons. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. love it. So tell me, tell me all about it. What's it, what, what are you doing? How'd you, how'd you start it? And, and all of it. Once I figured out how to play guitar, I started playing shows like senior year of high school and it was just me. And I was playing like battle of the bands and like school assemblies and stuff like that, you know? But I was at the time I was really into white stripes and the black keys and oh i hear that influence i hear that yeah and 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 then also classic rock like i'm like really into Jimi hendrix and van halen and so in my head i'm like i'm gonna start a band like i don't know if my band's gonna be like blues rock garage rock or if it's gonna be like blink 182 <laughs> and so that was kind of where i was when i was 17 but when i got to college most of the guys in my band i met on my floor at msu they we all lived next to each other they were in a bunch of different ska and midwest i was emo i was gonna bring that up too i do hear stuff. a lot of uh i hear a lot of ska influence in some of your songs where i'm like this yes. is almost yeah. like a reggaeton ska kind of sound big a lot of a lot of ska influence um and so then i started playing in a folk punk band with them cool and we played in a folk punk band for a while i was a trumpet player did that for like three years but at the same time we also had a bunch of different side projects where we'd like we play house shows i was, gonna, I was, MSU just, I was just gonna say i <laughs> bet you played some dirty basement shows at houses i bet just yeah, the grossest we would play for, we would play for like two hours in a frat basement just playing like sweaty as all balls chili peppers and yeah. that kind of shit yeah. and then sweating like crazy and then we just play until we got so drunk we couldn't play anymore but then we also i was working on the side playing in uh musical theater orchestra pits just like as like a hired gun we also this band a lot of the guys in this band we had a side hustle we would go to nursing homes and we would wear matching white tuxedos and we would play Frank Sinatra and Elvis and like the Grease soundtrack. And we'd go to like classic car cruises at 
churches and try to make a couple hundred Genius. bucks on a Saturday morning. Genius. And so that's, we've been playing together for forever. My last year up at college, I, I'd been working on some songs. I started playing by myself and it was, I was thinking it was going to be a kind of like a, like a folk project. I thought it was going to be a, not as punk as all of my folk punk and punk peers, but I started working on some folk music. Like I really like Van Morrison, that kind of stuff. And then I took it to my bass player. I'm like, Hey, I'm playing a festival. I, I might, I'm thinking about having a full band for this festival. And I showed him some of the, my songs. And he goes, dude, this sounds like Jonathan Richmond. And so then I started listening to them. I'm like, oh, dude, this is like, yeah. This is my vibe. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And so it's kind of at its inception. I'm like, I didn't know if I wanted to do folk music, 50s music, or like Mac DeMarco type of stuff. Now that you've said it, I, I, I hear your music and like, I hear all of that influence. Maybe that's why I've been struggling to go, this is the genre, because you, you have so many unique influences. And it seems like you've just been like, I don't care that they don't fit. They're fucking going in there. <laughs> Working with Will, my bass player, and then he's really been a big help with that but we've never really tried to like because everybody in michigan that kind of either for a long time they're all kind of doing like the midwest emo pop punk thing and so we're playing on bills with them and i can't imagine that it's kind of weird trying to find our own lane but indie rock is kind of taking a different direction in the last few years and garage rock starting to make a comeback in detroit because that was it's always been a big genre here and then punk and everything else and so and then alt country seems to be coming back a little bit and so we've kind of been trying to we've been fitting in a little bit more and it feels like we're starting to carve our own lane i bet you could write one hell of an alt country song like i yeah like that's yeah <laughs> like i would love yeah. to hear an alt country album from you i've been kind of that's kind of like the headspace i've been in lately my girlfriend she's grew up on old school country mm. and her dad was in a kind of big alt country band in the 90s and he's big in the jayhawks and wilco and all that and so i've she's really the last few years she's turned me on to a lot of that kind of stuff and so I'm kind of in that like alt country garage rock headspace right now, yeah. but I don't really try to stick to anything. Like you'll listen, to, you'll hear in our music, we will t we'll change time signatures halfway through a song and then go back and then kind of change genres on the bridge. And a lot of that just kind of comes out of fucking around. You know, it's so <laughs> you're you're very Jack Whitey. You, like it's just you're very Thank very because you. I, yeah. I I really like what I'm thinking is like I want this kid to do the Jack White alt country album that should exist because you could do it like it, it would be easily the same maybe not the same level of amazing but it would be on par with like the same type of material you know what i mean like that's your vibe yeah you, yeah you, yeah i i could totally see that he's definitely a major influence on me i actually remember so when i was learning how to play guitar i had there was a couple moments where i had like almost given up before i settled on using my thumb as a guitar pick i had built like a bunch of different guitar pick holders and a lot of them would break or like the they couldn't get the angle of this pick taped to my arm the right way to do everything I wanted it to do right before I had like really decided like hey I'm just gonna like play until like the callus doesn't hurt anymore oh yeah but a lot of my musical influences come just like sitting in my dad's pickup truck while he's just blasting music full blast going down the road I relate to that and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember like at the time I was just like I don't really know if this is gonna work the way I wanted it to work and then I think I was like 16 but you put on Ball in a Biscuit by White Stripes at full volume and I was sitting there listening to the Ball in a Biscuit guitar solo I'm like all right I'm gonna make this work and so that was that was I that's like a bit that's I that's I think that I still think about that it's like a, it's like a formative moment and just like committing to figuring out how to make guitar work for me I, I love that and and really 
really put out that Jack White alt-rock album as Lee <laughs> Cleveland in the left-hand band. I love it. Speaking of you and your music and what you sound like, I know that you've got this song called, it's Cyborg Man, is that right? Yeah. And I, and I want to, we're going to play, Cyborg we're going to play a little bit of that and then talk over it for a little while. Can you tell us about it and, and how it came to fruition? I watched the music video today and it was great. Thank you. Um, well, I was just working on a, I'd written this like garage rock song and I showed it to the guys, didn't really have lyrics yet. And we were kind of joking around laughing and we were joking and we're like, hey, rock bands don't really make flex videos. Uh, like rappers always, all right. a lot of, a lot, most rap songs are like, I got women, I got cars, I got money, but Rock bands don't really do that. Like, <laughs> I guess in the '70s they did sometimes, but you don't see like a rock band try to make a flex. Like video. the what's the like, what's what? the one the one that I can think of is uh, My Maserati does one eighty five. Like that's a flex oh, yeah. band a song from a rock band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so we're like, what? What do you have to flex about? Because we're, all, everybody in my band kind of looks like me. Like we're all like, <laughs> lanky hipster dudes with glasses, and we're like not typically somebody would be like on the shit <laughs> in any capacity. Like my, they all like work in like computers and in the in the environment and, <laughs> and stuff. And so we're like, well, Lee does have this really sick bionic hand. what's life like with a bionic hand it's and it's honestly really sick and so we wrote a song about it and we're like we should make a funny video for it and one of my best friends from high school nick marhedic he's a music video director now and he's worked with rappers like little yachty and t grizzly and stuff on their videos and so i called up nick i was like hey man i have this idea it sounds crazy but we're kind of trying to like parody this genre kind of make it our own and kind of make fun of ourselves a little bit and he was 100% on board. He's like, yeah, man, I'm the guy for this. And so then we're like, all right, like we're going to ride a mechanical bull. We're going to throw fake money on a shitty old car. <laughs> we're going to have him get denied by the girl. And just <laughs> get the it's it's a great and video. It, like I was watching it and I just thought, man, I, I don't know what kind of money this Lee Cleveland guy makes from his music, but like this is just like, I couldn't believe the production <laughs> quality on it. It, it. Honestly, listeners, you know, you've been hearing it as we've been talking, but you should definitely... Uh, uh, check out the links in the show notes. By the way, uh, <clears throat> Lee's, Lee's website, all of his links are in the show notes, but specifically one of the links that's in there is going to be the video to Cyborg Man because you should check it out. It's it's really, really good. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with it. Lee, what else, what do you got coming up as we wrap up here? What Do you have any shows coming up that you want people to know about? Is there, like, are you, are you releasing any music soon? Anything like that that you want to plug? Let's get into it. We're going to be playing some shows uh, around Detroit in the Midwest, November, December. Um, stuff isn't really announced right now. Um, we're coming off a string of festival dates right now and other touring shenanigans. And so we're kind of taking a break for the next couple weeks and we're going to be we're working on some new music and then we're going to be hitting the ground running again soon but awesome 
Well, if my listeners are hearing you right now and they've just they've been listening and said, "Man, I really like the cut of this guy's jib. I really like that uh, Cyborg <laughs> Man song and the, and that uh, Daddy's Got a Medicare." What is the best way that my listeners can support Lee Cleveland and the Left Hand Band? What's what's something actionable that they could do today? Give me a follow on anything. If you see me post about new music on Spotify coming out, go and pre-save those songs. Uh, if you really genuinely support an artist that's up and coming pre-save their music on Spotify, Apple Music, because that tells the streaming sites that people are actually interested in you and they'll app, they promote you more in the algorithm. And, and so that's actually something actionable you can do for any band you, you support. The almighty algorithm. Yes. So I'm sure, yeah. Lee, I'm sure you <laughs> post about it when you've got new music coming out and you let people know, hey, it's time to pre-save. So listeners, if you're listening, mm-hmm. do us a favor, go follow uh, Lee Cleveland and the Left Hand Band. You can find him at Lee underscore Cleveland. Again, it's spelled like a cleaver. There's an extra, there's an A in there. Uh, so yep. <laughs> um, go go follow him so that you can pre-save his music when he's releasing it. Also, while you're at it, you can go follow High Friends. You can find us at at High Friends Pod on Instagram and at High Dot Friends on TikTok. Lee, thank you so much for coming on. I, I've loved having you on. I've really been enjoying listening to your music around the house. As I, as you can tell, I clean the house so much lately, but I've been enjoying having it in my ears and just around. And uh, I can't wait to see where you go. You're, you're the kind of guy that as I looked into you, I was like, this is the kind of guy who's not just going to settle for like a desk job. This is the kind of guy who's going to go out and do something and, and make his path that way. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being a part of that journey. And, and following you. you on it. Appreciate so, it. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, thank you so much for joining me. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to go check out Lee and everything that he's doing. Again, all of the links are in the show notes. And if you could do us a favor, tell somebody about Hi Friends. And until next time, I don't know, toke up on me, but I'm not going to pay for it. Just toke up. Hi Friends is a production of Mortarbox Media. What did you think of that one? I gotta give you a hand on that one. Uh, all right. What do you mean? Uh, okay, come on. No, honest. Uh, that's enough. Two big thumbs up. Time to end, hi friends. Lumpin' by.